Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Gordon. Our guest today is Dr. Sidney Finkelstein. He is the professor and director of the Center for Leadership at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College, where he runs the flagship Tuck Executive Program, educated at Concordia University, the London School of Economics, and Columbia University. He's a fellow at the Academy of Management and is listed on the Thinkers 50. Sydney has written 20 books and 80 articles with several bestsellers, including Why Smart Executives Fail, plus the book we'll be talking about today, Super Bosses, How Exceptional Leaders Master the Flow of Talent. Sidney Finkelstein, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Great to be on with you, Chad. Well, we, uh, we're delighted to have you. It's such a, a great book, Super Bosses. You, you know, what I liked about it is you shared so many interviews um, from over the past few years as you researched the subject. And what I, what I think I love the most is there really isn't a one-size-fits-all to being a super boss. You, you've really found examples across all industries, finance, television, retail, sports. They, they really are just about everywhere. They really are. Uh, it was remarkable to find out, and that was the learning process I went on from starting to look at uh, you know high-end foodie industry first. Uh, I went on to uh, and onto the NFL and football uh, hedge funds. I often tell people, you know, there's no natural segue across these selection of industries, but the the, the, the kind of the punchline is in every industry I was I looked at, I was able to find these one or two exceptional leaders that had a track record of developing some of the absolute best talent in that industry and those are the people that I call super bosses and so at its core what is a super boss so you know a super boss is someone who generates and regenerates talent on a continuous basis which when you get right down to it is really the heart of what counts for the the success and the long-term success of any organization super bosses are are leaders who create other leaders they're people that see the potential in you before you may even have seen it yourself and many people have had someone like that in their career and they'll never forget them they'll know what kind of impact they had they know what kind of opportunity they created that that's what a super boss is and so it's the age-old question of nature versus nurture. What did you find out? Are are uh, super bosses born, or are they uh, are they uh, kind of created by their environment? Yeah, you know, a lot of people uh, ask that question, of course, and. Um there's no there's no question that some people are um, you know more adept at various things in life you know some people are faster taller runner uh, they run quicker they they uh, they're smarter they're better looking but uh, when it comes to leadership 
um, and especially around super bosses, uh, I believe that virtually anyone can become a super boss like leader. Some people will find it easy, others will struggle a little bit more, but I think in, in every organization you look at, if you look up and down an organization, you'll be able to find super bosses if you know what to look for, if you know how to look. I think the problem is in many organizations, they're not even aware that they have these incredible assets called super bosses, super boss leaders that help other people get better and that produce better results. And so, yes, I think it's completely learnable, completely teachable. So when you think about uh, the topic and, 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 and obviously you've been researching this for a, for a few years, um, you know, what led you to really tackle this idea? Why now? Yeah, well, um, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, one is, uh, if you look at what is going on in management uh, today in, in major corporations, major organizations, there's been a uh, long series of downsizing, competition's never been greater, technological changes are big, of course, and keep on, keep on happening. Um, uh, let's not forget the rise of millennials and uh, and the gig economy and virtual offices and all these things have, have have created an environment where every single manager really really counts. Every one of them really really counts, and you need to figure out how to make them how to leverage that skill set and that capability. And I think that while so many people have looked at that type of question over the years, um, the fact is uh, when you talk to a CEO today, they will and you ask them what keeps them up at night. Are they worried about? They're going to talk about talent, finding great talent, developing great talent, retaining great talent. Turns out that 20 years ago and 30 years ago, when I'd ask CEOs that very same question, they would have exactly the same answer, which means despite all the work we've done, we haven't really cracked the code. We haven't really solved the problem of how to find, how to develop, how to, how to enhance your entire leadership bench. And so the time is right. It's a timeless question, but the time is especially right because if you have fewer managers in a company and the jobs are bigger, we need to make sure that each one of those people are going to be able to have the type of impact that they, that they want and that they can have in their organizations and that they advance their own careers as well. All right, so we're we're gonna in, in just a bit we'll we'll tackle more about how an organization can can benefit or, or harness kind of some of your research, but let's talk from the individual level for just a moment. So if I, so let's say I'm an aspiring leader, I I uh, I wanna I wanna become a super boss. How can um, I take the time to transform my career trajectory based upon what you've learned? Right. So. You know, step one, you have to really want to do this. You have to have that mindset because being a super boss leader is not the same as being a um, a boss or a manager. Uh, there, there are a bunch of things that are different about it that you need to, that you need to do. It's all doable, as I said, but you have to be you have to be open to that idea. Uh, given that, there's a bunch of things you can do. Uh, num- number one, start thinking about each individual on your team not as just people that are on your team or team members, but as absolute individuals and customize how you work with each person. Customize how you interact. Figure out what makes each person tick, mm. what gets them energized, what the next step should be for them, and uh, and manage them accordingly. Don't fall into the old trap of saying, you know, well, I'm a certain type of leader. I have a leadership style of a certain type, and and, and everyone's got to, got to accommodate me. You know, I often say that uh, a 
imagine what what uh, what things would be like if managers actually uh, actually treated their employees, their team members, the way that we treat customers. We'd have a whole different story uh, in many organizations. So, if you want to become more of a super boss leader, start with that customization, and then secondly, take on the 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 challenge of delegation. You know, it's not news that you need that that delegation is good. You, people that are in that are ineffective delegators get burned out uh, very quickly and they just can't keep up especially now with the pace of, of work and change and so you want to delegate and you want to be comfortable delegating and and what super boss leaders do that I think is is different than many other leaders when it comes to delegation is they don't delegate and forget yeah. they delegate and roll up their sleeves and work closely with people in their team periodically and what are they doing when they're working with them they're teaching them they're coaching them they're pushing them they're challenging them there are a bunch of other things we can talk about but yeah. those are those two ideas right there can I think advance people's leadership skills as a super boss leader yeah those are those are two very important pieces and I um, you know, the takeaway I got from the book is is there isn't a magic bullet uh, uh, people who are super bosses they they typically are going to be the ones that outwork the others and are and are really dedicated to the job and and see the 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 task of being a leader is just as important as the task of their day-to-day yeah, that is uh, that is so right. Um, there's, you know, you, you want to think about as a leader the key elements that that make make for great leadership, make for super boss leadership, and that means um, raise the bar, push people. You need to create that performance culture, but at the same time, you need to inspire them. Uh, it's it's very interesting. The super boss leaders, uh, what I learned from them is they they tend to combine things that very often people think don't go don't go together. Mm. So the hard driving leader. That's also inspirational. Um, the the delegator that is also very hands on, not a micromanager, but very but very hands on. Uh, the 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 leader that in hand that that pushes collaboration and encourages collaboration in teams at the same time that he or she also expects to see teams uh, develop that competitive edge, that competitive instinct. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things like that that I found that uh, um, are are really remarkable because many people say, hey, that. That that, that 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 doesn't always go together, but uh, the reality is, if you can combine these these things that seem a little bit different, then 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 you really are on the way to becoming a more effective leader. I think I found what to be pretty interesting is is there were certain tasks or traits that you found in super bosses, but I'm not sure if they all would fit into the same profile. I mean, you were pretty clear that that each of these people were very different individuals and and they were regarded very differently. But but the output and the and the way they were able to create this talent around them um, that was the consistent thing. So what was what was interesting for you about seeing the different personalities and the different uh, really the different you know the many different varied. Uh, uh, people that were behind these super bosses. Uh, yeah, it's, it was interesting. Uh, the, the fact that the personalities could be so different, that their motivation in some ways is, is, is so different, but yet they do so many, uh, so many of the same things, really, really interesting. So, for example, um, of course, there were leaders, super bosses that were very nurturing, um, and that maybe is the one most people might, might expect. You know, people, uh, people like uh, Bill Walsh in, in, in the NFL as a head coach and 
and uh, and somebody really who who spawned more head coaches, more winning head coaches than anyone else in the NFL. Uh, these are these are supportive. They push people hard, but they're they're nurturing. But you know, we uh, I also found people that were the ultra hard driving, really difficult uh, people. I call them glorious bastards, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're glorious because if you can handle it, they open every door in front of you, mm-hmm. um, and they're really really different than than the nurturing types. And then there was a third type that um, I call them iconoclasts, and these were people that were a bit more creative in, in how they thought about the, their their jobs and attracted other people who wanted to work with them because they wanted to be part of that kind of creative milieu, if you will. Yeah. And uh, so three different types, um, different mindsets a little bit behind it in terms of personality, but when you dig down into what they actually did, they did some very similar things in terms of, in terms of motivation, in terms of inspiration, in terms of vision and innovation, team building, development. Uh, really, really an interesting thing to see. Well, I, you know, I, I, as a sports fan, and, and some of our listeners are going to be sports fans as well, the, the Bill Walsh, Walsh story, I always knew that several people, because you'd heard that story, you know, several people had gone mm-hmm. on, but I had no idea the number of those of those folks. And it, it, I guess it could be a little bit different in something as as as, as finite as, as, a, as a, a league with only, you know, 30 or so teams. But let's talk about that. So, you know, one of the values of, of, of being a super boss is they, they, they really, they do, they make the talent around them better. But as you, you know, we, we've learned in the book, the talent often ends up on the move. And so they create these talent and leadership factories, um, but that might actually benefit other companies. As I said, in the sports world, maybe not as a big deal, but um, why is that not a bad thing that comes sometimes super bosses um, create CEOs of many other companies? In other words, they create these these uh, great pipelines, but they, they, they go away and they lead elsewhere. Right. Right. I mean, it's a great question, and it and it was easily the most counterintuitive thing that uh, that I found in the in the research. And uh, um, you know, when when you help other people get better, when you push them and you create these opportunities, some of these people are going to be ready to take your job. Mm-hmm. And if that's not available, they're going to want to go off on their own, or they're going to want to move up. And the question you want to ask yourself is: Number one, are you better off helping the people in your team get better or not? And that's a rhetorical question. I think we hopefully know the answer to that. Um, so there's a side effect. Some of them are going to are going to have even bigger aspirations. And as soon as you realize that, you say, well, you know, uh, I'd like to retain all that talent, but you know, some of them, some of some of them are going to go. The problem is that many leaders have an assumption, and it really is an assumption. That is, that. Um, uh, I'll put it this way. One CEO told me when we were talking about some of the ideas I was working on before the book even came out, he, he says, you know, Sidney, why would I want to let my best people go? That's kind of, that, that's exactly what he said. Why would, why, why, why would I want to let my best people go? Well, think about the verb in that sentence, let. Is it the case that any one of us as leaders can decide who works for us, can force people to work for us? Of course not. But yet somehow we, we adopt this kind of mindset. And, and soon as you realize, you know, people are free agents, more so today than ever before. They can go wherever they want. Then the question is, well, how can we be smart about this? How could we be strategic about this? And then you get stories like, you know, Tommy Friss, who was the longtime CEO of Hospital Corporation of America, HCA. He knew some of his top lieutenants were going to be leaving. They were going to have big, they were having, getting great opportunities. 
So rather than just lose them, what he ended up doing is creating, working with them to create a spin-off business, a surgical care unit or you know a mental health clinic. This is you know obviously in, in the healthcare industry, and that that right hand man or woman would become the CEO of that company, and Tommy Frist and HCA would actually have some equity in that business. So they'd benefit from the subsequent success of some of their proteges, and and that's just one of the many techniques or methods that these super boss leaders employed to really make sure, do everything they can to continue to get a return on investment, if you will, from talent even after they left. And if you think about the opposite, which I think is a really narrow-minded view, which is, you know, don't let the door, you know, smack you on the way out. Right. Um, uh, what what happens there? You have now given up any opportunity to continue to get any return on the long investment you made in helping that person get better. And I, I don't know too many business models where it makes sense to leave all that money on the table. The opportunity of continuing to get that return on investment has many forms from business contacts, connections. Uh, sometimes people get hired back, uh, introductions. Uh, and remember, these people that you are now helping to populate um, in the industry or in other parts of your company, these are people that will feel this tremendous sense of loyalty towards you because of what you've done. You've helped them. And so when you pick up the phone and ask for a favor, you can be sure that they're going to fall over themselves to try to do that for you. I, I love that concept, and it, just because it's a bit of, 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 of what I value and what, what my values are in terms of like not leaving um, the door, you're not, not leaving with the door closed, not burning a bridge, you know, um, leaving on good terms, and and uh, you know you do hear so many times, well, if that person is left, they, you know, they're gone, they're they're no longer uh, a welcome back. But then you're hearing more and more from some organizations about creating alumni networks where you know you do continue to uh, have those connections um, because you you never know when those paths might might cross. So I did like that. So when I think about Sydney. I think about this book and, and just kind of wondering, um, you know, want to peek inside your brain a little bit. When you when you set out to research and to write this book, what were some of the preconceived notions that you you disproved or really surprised you that, that turned out not to be correct? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, well, I think number one, uh, one size fits all is absolutely wrong. The, this this point we talked about earlier about different personalities and styles that they, every one of them can become super boss leaders. I think uh, I think number two, um, and I kind of knew had an inkling of this and and wanted to believe this uh, ahead of time, but the actual impact of one individual leader, what he or she can do for other people uh, and for themselves is just really, it, it, there's almost no limit to what one individual can, can do. And that's that's exciting. Uh, that's, that's important. And I'd say num- num- number three, uh, some people... Uh, and I and I hear this sometimes when I'm on the road giving speeches or workshops. Sometimes people will push back and say, "Hey, you know, I don't have an I don't have time to spend, you know, helping my team get get better. I, I've got these KPIs. I've got a lot of pressure on me, and and they create this this dichotomy. And uh, and so I was wondering about that. And what what I learned from, about about superboss leaders is, you know, they, they they blow they blow that up. I mean, if you help people on your team become more effective. Uh, better leaders, better managers themselves, better executors of whatever your strategy is. How is it that you yourself as a leader or as a manager would not get better yourself? Under what world is it the case that when your team gets stronger, you actually get weaker? Uh, That doesn't make any sense at all. In fact, this is truly one of the classic win-wins that everybody is always looking for. And that became crystal clear as I got into this. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting when we uh, at, at here at the Ken Blanchard companies, you know, we when we talk about our leadership model, it's not positioned as that, but if you lead people and you, you're developing people the right way, that is a time management model, in fact, because you are making your job easier because you're giving the, the people you work with the tools to thrive and be better and not rely on you. So it really is. It, uh, if you don't have time, then, then uh, how much time are you wasting, right? Nobody could do anything on on their own. Well, that's not quite right. We could do plenty, yeah. but compared to what we could do by leveraging other people around us, uh, well, that, there's a big difference there. This podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, and there's a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization, go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. And they have a special offer right now. Send an email to podcast at KenBlanchard.com with leader chat in the subject line. Now through the end of summer of 2018, one grand prize winner chosen randomly will receive a free one-on-one call with Ken Blanchard. Five others will receive a signed copy of Ken's latest book, Servant Leadership in Action. Let's talk about super bosses when it comes to, uh, in terms of, of leading teams, and, and again, you, you talked about the cohort experiences. Again, I love the stories. Um, uh, you had created so many great examples. I, I love that uh, you shared some examples of Saturday Night Live and kind of the, 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 the process there. Mm-hmm. Um, how, you know, what did you learn from, you know, a longtime comedy show that, that, that showed you the value of being a super boss? Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm a big believer in learning uh, from anywhere and everywhere. And one of the things I did in Superbosses is really focus on, as you say, Saturday Night Live, but also fashion and jazz music and all sorts of places. So I interviewed Lauren Michaels a couple of times and other people, SNL. And uh, one of the things that, that they do there is uh, to get on the show, if you're a performer, a writer, um, costume designer, to get airtime on the show, you have to form a collaboration, a team, because it's a stand-up comedy show. You have to work with other people. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, enhances your collaborative skills. In fact, you cannot survive there unless you know how to work with other people effectively in a, in a, in a team. But the way that the show works is as you get closer to Saturday, you know, you're, let's say you're Friday, now Friday morning, Friday afternoon, uh, they will produce over two hours of programming for a show that is really only 90 minutes. And the last 36 hours, they've got to get the programming down from over that that two hours to an hour and a half. And how do you do that? Well, that's the definition of competition. That's a scarce resource. Everybody wants it and everyone has to get it. And so what do you do? Well, you, you need some sharp elbows. You need to know how to compete, but you have to do it in a way that doesn't really make people you know, want, not want to work with you because you're competing with the people that you're also co- collaborating with. And that, that's, that's an example, really, of, of kind of the, some of the genius, I think, of uh, not just Lauren Michaels, but of super bosses in general, putting together a situation, an environment where to be successful, you've got to do two things that many people consider opposites, in this case, collaboration and competition. But when you do that, you, you, you create these powerhouse teams, and you, you reference the word, the cohort effect. They, they form teams where they feel this connection, uh, they, uh, they have this, this this bond, I, uh, you know, like a band of brothers and sisters, if you will. And um, who doesn't want to uh, be be working in a situation where uh, you are you have that type of that type of human connection? You're accomplishing what you're accomplishing, and you, as a team leader, are able to build a team that does that. Um, it, it it really is a powerful uh, a powerful way to uh, to lead a team. Another piece when when we talk about teams, uh, you know, when when you think about. Uh, 
strong companies or you think about companies that people don't want to leave or you think about and usually those 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 companies have really strong leaders you you often hear about you know they're drinking the water there or it's 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 like a cult over there and you actually talk about creating the cult effect so you know how do you how do you create that as a super boss so that people will will want to stay and thrive and and speak glowingly about it and and help the organization succeed by giving more um, more effort than than somebody normally would get at another company yeah, the the people that work for super bosses do feel a uh, um, a strong sense of of loyalty, um, a connection. And, you know, I, I heard the I heard, I heard a four letter word in a lot of my interviews, uh, and the word is love. Yeah. Uh, which was really, you know, I didn't expect that. Uh, I interviewed hundreds of people for this research, and um, a, a, a surprising number of people. And talking about their super boss, their boss, uh, they they use the word they use the word love. So there's this really, you know, powerful powerful bond. And um, and so what happens is, even though some of these people will leave at some point, I think that when you adopt, the, I call it the super boss playbook. So all the various elements that we've been talking about as a, as a leader, if you if you start to actually do these types of things, uh, you uh, you will end up retaining people longer than you otherwise would, and and that's a very important thing in the age of the millennials when when you know people are moving around from one job to another pretty quickly. But if you if you create an environment where and this is all the millennials ever talk about, right? They want an opportunity to have an impact. They want to have a seat at the table. Well, if you create that environment. Uh, and they have that opportunity, they're going to be much more likely to stay. And I'm not saying forever because that's just not the way the world works anymore, but they're going to stay longer. And so, uh, ironically, the real path to talent retention is when you stop worrying about it so much and start behaving in ways that really create these super boss leadership environments. Yeah, staying longer and and really harnessing and and you know being able to to benefit from the discretionary effort that that may they may not provide for a different leader. So you you touched on this next uh, question a little bit in the in the in the front end as one of your two keys to, uh, of a super boss. But you know, Kim Blanchard has long you know shared the belief that uh, that uh, the best leaders lead their people with what they need at the time. So like different leadership styles for the same people depending on their goal or task. So how did you find that super bosses? How did they? How were they able to flex? their leadership style is that something that was innate is that something that um you know how did you how did what was your experience with with how the best ones did that yeah, you know they're um, they were they were wise, I, I think, um, but they were also driven to succeed. They, they were driven to, perf- to uh, as high performers and trying to create a high performance culture and environment. And of course, what company doesn't say that today? Yeah. Uh, but that's that's kind of what they were driven towards. And then they had the realization that you know the way to do this is. And this is true even for the, the, the really, really tough people I described as glorious bastards earlier. These are the, the, what they understood is to win, we need the world's best teams, we need the world's best talent, and we need to get the best out of those people. And, and you, you, that's the mindset that leads you to say, okay, well, what's the best way to do that? And why should I impose my views and my biases and my uh, style, if you will, on, on, on everyone else? They, they just didn't, uh, they, they had this, this, this kind of wisdom about them, this understanding that that's the way you do it. And uh, I think that more than anything else accounts for, uh, for why they, uh, they, they, they really appreciated each individual as someone who can contribute in and of themselves. And, and by the way, if someone couldn't keep up, if someone wasn't able to 
produce, perform, be, be you know, be the type of a strong uh, team player that uh, super boss leaders expected. They, they they wouldn't necessarily keep you there. You know, and there was yeah. no free free ticket. You had right. to you had to be able to do it. But they but uh, they, they they created every opportunity they possibly could for those people to do it. Well, we're, we've just got a couple of time for just a couple more questions. So let's talk uh, very kind of practical terms. Let's talk about really how to put this into action. So many of those listening in really have a strong interest or role in training, development, and talent development in organizations. So how can those that are listening, how can they leverage what you share in this book so that they can grow and, and strengthen their companies? Well, uh, you know, one of the things I really discovered as I've gone giving, you know, speeches and keynotes and workshops is uh, many people, especially senior leaders, uh, would ask me a, a version of this question, which is, you know, this is great. I'm learning a lot. I can see how I can use this with my own team. But, you know, we've got 3,000 managers here. We've got 1,000 managers in this company. We've got 10,000 managers. What could you do for them? And as soon as I heard that, I realized, well, you know, uh, not, there's not enough time in the year to do enough workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been creating, working with, working and creating a digital learning platform that brings to life these ideas in a very, very applied format uh, and delivered through a digital digital means. So it's a way that you can actually leverage uh, these ideas to not not one and ten and twenty, uh, but hundreds and thousands of people and. Uh, and you can track how people are doing. You, there's various assessments that are part of this. And so you can really get a sense, are people learning? And what are the outcomes? You know, is, is this having an impact on the key KPIs that everybody cares about, mm-hmm. which, is, which are, of course, performance, employee engagement, talent retention, uh, executive or managerial succession. All these things are tied in. So uh, that would be one of the best ways that I think people can, can start to think about how can, we, how can we use that and apply it in our organization, especially for bigger companies that are charged with exactly this type of thing. The digital approach, I think, can really add a lot of value. So many great insights and and so much practical uh, wisdom and knowledge that you've shared with us, Sydney. So as as we wrap up today, what is one thing that you hope that our listeners can take away from our conversation? You know, uh, uh, if if there was one thing I'd say that anyone, any manager in any, every one of these organizations, whether you are the manager or you're a senior L&D, HR, or C-suite person, uh, every single manager can become a super boss manager, a super boss leader. It is within our capability. All it takes is knowing about it and developing a plan to, to make that happen, which is a lot of the work that I've been trying to do with a variety of organizations. That's really the main, the main thing. Anyone can do it. Anybody can do it, and, and uh, it's, it's a, a very accessible book. I, I highly uh, recommend all of our listeners to go out and, and get a copy of it. It's, uh, um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Where can uh, people find you online if they want to learn a little bit more about you? Well, you, you know, people can go to the website www.superbosses.com and uh, they can also find me on, on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Sid, which is S-Y-D Finkelstein. F-I-N-K-E-L-S-T-E-I-N, and uh, I do respond to any Twitter any Twitter messages uh, from from folks, uh, as well as connect uh, people that connect with me via the uh, the Superbosses website. Perfect, Dr. Sidney Finkelstein. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Blanchard Leader Chat podcast. Thank you, Chad. 
And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. I love Chad's interview with Sidney Finkelstein uh, and his book, Super Bosses. What he's talking about is that super bosses really focus on developing and retaining their people. And the way they do that is Finkelstein says that they customize their approach with people. And what they realize is that one size does not fit all. In many ways, this is what situational leadership, too, is all about. We talk about different strokes for different folks, that you need to change your leadership style depending on their development level as you move from directing to coaching to supporting to delegating as as people develop to eventually to be self-directed achievers when you really can uh, delegate to them. I think in many ways what he's talking about is that uh, super bosses think that the number one customer that they have is their people. If they take care of their people, train and empower their people, they're going to go out of their way to take care of the number two customer, which is uh, your, the people who buy your products and services. And, and if they do a good job there, those people become raving fans and part of your sales force. And that takes care of the third most important uh, customer, the owners and the people that uh, you know and are worried about the finances. Uh, I really think uh, that profit is the applause you get for taking care of your people and creating a great environment for them so they'll take care of your customers. And I think super bosses uh, think about this. My wife, Margie, has always felt that we have three jobs as managers. One is to do your own job. The second is to develop your people, which is an important role for super bosses. And the third is to talk to people about their career uh, aspirations, you know, when you don't even have a job, but you're concerned about where they want to go. And super bosses are, are really concerned about that and developing their people and make sure that they continue to grow and develop. Uh, and I think the focus of a super boss is to get the most out of your people. And I think that's all about servant leadership. It's about humility. It's about getting out of your own way and recognizing that your people are the reason for you being a manager. And if you don't like to work and develop people, then get out of the business. And I love that uh, Finkelstein says that everyone can become a super boss. So this is fabulous stuff. Listen to this tape again, read Super Bosses, and find out more about what Finkelstein is talking about. It's good stuff.